Crystal Deal With It focuses on bridging the gap between where you're at now and where you'd like to be. We'll explore wisdom and techniques from a wide variety of domains and industries and apply them to your unique challenges. I love developing frameworks, processes, and storytelling metaphors that enable personal and business growth. Through actionable next steps, we'll build momentum and confidence. My goal is to help you clear roadblocks, do more with what you have, and realize the potential of yourself and your team. So throw your challenges my way and Chris will deal with it. Over the Labor Day weekend, my beloved cat Yoshi passed away. We met when she was a cute, mangy little stray in the Bronx and was a part of my life for nearly 14 years. Losing someone is a chance for each of us to reflect, to crystallize that person in our hearts and minds, ensure their best memories and qualities live on in us. It can't be helped that they turn into a kind of abstraction through this process, an incomplete imprint of a person, but still a soul impacting lives long after their passing. Well, I've been doing this reflection for about a week, thinking about what Yoshi brought to my life and the life of our family. Through this memorial episode, I'd like to share these insights, these abstractions, along with some stories to illustrate them. A trigger warning is appropriate for this episode. I will talk about the death and burial of a pet. I suggest skipping this episode if these are topics you don't want to hear about. 1. Creating art can open our hearts and minds to possibility. So this story starts with a dog. A rescue dog from my previous relationship had inspired me to draw a fun little comic book called Sick Day. So it's about this guy with a busy job, but he sees a homeless dog during a storm. He decides to skip out in his meetings and his busy job to take it home. And rather than call the pound, he lets it into his life. It was a quirky little art project. I sold a few during some art shows, but I never really gave it much thought afterwards. But a year or so later, I was coming home from work one night. I got off the train at the Spite and Dival Metro North Station in the Bronx, and there's a long walk from there to our apartment in the Inwood neighborhood in Manhattan. So Yoshi came out to greet me, but she quickly darted back, likely scared of the other commuters. She went back into this metal fencing full of shrugs and a rocky cliff area overlooking the train station. But I worked late the next night, and I got off the train, and she came back. Perhaps it was the lack of other commuters. I'll never really know, but she followed me halfway across the bridge between the Bronx and Manhattan. And I thought of her the whole way back to my apartment. It's October. There's cold nights. Winter was a few months away. So I decided to go back with a carrier and some treats, and she came back out to greet me. It's like she knew and just walked into the cage. I even had to fight off a few of the other aggressive cats, but she was safe and I brought her home. Now I had so much going wrong in my life at the time. So much stress, anxiety, loneliness. It was out of character for me to pick up a stray cat on a Bronx sidewalk. It honestly didn't even dawn on me for a day or two later that I'd lived a story I wrote. Sick Day clearly wasn't about producing something that would make money. It was practice for me to open up my heart to a cute, mangy girl from the Bronx. I ended up naming her Yoshi after one of my favorite cartoon video game characters. And since Mario always finds Yoshi in a box, I felt it was appropriate. 2. Seize opportunities to be bold and have others take notice. Reflecting on the cat Yoshi was these past 14 years, I realized how unusual it is that she'd go out of her way to attract someone's attention. What was it about me, or was it desperation? I'll never know, but there's no doubt she was bold. Trailing behind me for hundreds of feet, meowing, allowing me to pet her. Her boldness captured my full attention, which was quite a feat given how much I'd been living in my own head at the time. And throughout our lives together, there were certainly times where she'd come up and snuggle, shove her head into the palm of my right hand. Sometimes she would sense when I was stressed or anxious. But whatever her reasons that night in the Bronx, it's a simple lesson for me. 
Seize opportunities in your life to be bold, make a statement, have others take notice. Three, a cat isn't likely to change the world, but they can drastically change a person. I didn't know Yoshi's past. I brought her to the vet the day after I brought her home, and they said she was in perfect health, likely between one and two years old, but there's no way to know for certain. She even used a litter box with no training at all. Now, I won't get into my home life uh, at the time on this podcast, except to say that Yoshi's arrival was the harbinger of a lot of change. My marriage was in the process of ending. I had been interviewing for other jobs since I was miserable with the one I was in. And less than a month after Yoshi arrived, I was offered a career-changing opportunity. And a few months after that, I'd meet the woman I'd spend the rest of my life with. Now, Yoshi wasn't instrumental on all the details of how those changes happened, but I think she softened me. She got me focused on something positive and nice at a time when I really needed it. And it really prepared me to accept more positive and nice things into my life. And that's one of the nice things about this reflection is seeing how much change and growth happened over the 14 years we shared together. And Yoshi played a part in all that, and I'm forever thankful to her. Number four, the natural way of life is to be easygoing. Yoshi was always a chill cat. She accepted changes that came. New girlfriend, a few apartment changes, introducing a rambunctious kitten named Princey, a move to the suburbs a few years later, and two children after that. And she adapted quickly to all of it. There was never any need to coax her or worry that she'd adapt to new situations. Heck, it was easy to get her into a cage for the rare vet visit she needed. And I'll say if anything took her time to adjust, it was warming up the princey. But I guess now I can relate to how she must have felt because now I'm middle-aged and dealing with energetic toddlers. I mean, they can be a handful and sometimes you just want your space. But she was so wonderful when our children were brought home. She was patient. She kind of understood that I didn't have as much time or bandwidth for her. She still snuggled during some of those long nights and way too early mornings, but she was never resentful, even when we had to close bedroom doors to her because her oldest developed some allergies to cat dander. She never asked for anything. She accepted gracefully all the love and attention that did come her way. It was funny the things that made her playful. She'd love to snuggle under sheets and I'd make little Yoshi caves where she tried to smack fingers and toes. Reflecting on Yoshi, she's a wonderful example of all the philosophical and religious principles of aligning oneself with nature taking life as it comes, one moment at a time, being where you are. I know I'm painting this with a broad brush of generalization, but I want to keep this short and focused on Yoshi, but I will remember Yoshi is easygoing and a reminder of how I should live my own life more aligned with the natural ebbs and flows of our existence. Number five, if we're lucky, we can make our death something beautiful and life-affirming. I can't recall Yoshi ever being sick. Aside from being spayed soon after she came into my life, there were never any issues, just the regular checkups. At the end, she started losing a little weight, otherwise she was fine. In retrospect, I should have had more blood work done at her last checkup. It was most likely advanced kidney disease, which deteriorated rapidly. I tried to get her a vet appointment when things were getting bad, but vets were slammed. Um, it was going to take a week, and it was going into the Labor Day weekend. And since we live on the Jersey Shore, with a huge influx of out-of-towners with pet issues, it was very tough. But regardless, she was clearly very, very sick barely eating or drinking, stopped being able to jump up on furniture, crawling into dark spaces, and she passed on a Friday afternoon, and it was a soft, beautiful day. She passed in a sunny spot of the office floor. Our kid's daycare was closed that day, so the sounds of laughter and play wafted up to her from downstairs. She passed quietly on her own terms, and she died with her beautiful sea-green eyes open, and there was so much intelligence in that gaze. Her front paws were crossed, as if relaxing on a Sunday windowsill, just like she always did. I mean, it was extremely sad when my wife found her. When I went up and bore witness to my beloved cat's passing, it was upsetting. 
but also quietly beautiful. I just sat there teary-eyed, but so thankful. I'd been making my peace with her sickness for the previous days and nights. We just kind of had a feeling, but it was still unexpected. Maybe I had a little bit of hope that we'd get to that event appointment two days later. Regardless, I mean, this is the last time that two fingers of my right hand were going to scritch that soft little pocket behind her ears, her favorite spot to be pet, a thumb stroking her dainty little chin. I mean, that's a motion that's practiced so much over these 14 years that it's become an indelible sense memory for me, and it's going to remain with me until I too pass on. She died on a beautiful afternoon, one of the nicest of the year, in a quiet spot, calm, open to whatever came next, surrounded by a family that loved her. She passed with little fuss, just like she lived. It's difficult to reflect on the moment I saw her, lying on the floor, breath having left her, but in the moment, I couldn't help but be awed by her, the beauty with which she died. And she gave me a final gift that day, one as powerful and life-affirming as that night in the Bronx. Number six, the practical can be done alongside the emotional. Through the grief of Yoshi's passing, I was keenly aware of the practical need to do something about her body. But our kids are four and two. They were downstairs oblivious to what had happened. Neither my wife or I wanted to traumatize them. And while we did have some fear that that day was coming, we hadn't really thought about the kids. But my wife kneeled down and told them that Yoshi was going someplace special. They wouldn't see her anymore, but that she crossed the Rainbow Bridge. Putting the religious part of it aside, I mean, it was a beautiful moment. Seeing the kids accept the fact that Yoshi wasn't going to be around anymore. I mean, there's going to be time enough to explain it to them when they're older. Um, if they do have memories of Yoshi, you know, we can explain what happened, but perhaps one day they'll even come across this memorial podcast and learn a little bit more about what Yoshi meant to me and to them. And when they do, they're going to realize how much our cat Yoshi really adored them. Anyway, I decided to bury Yoshi in our backyard. Um, there's a spot just slightly out of the way of the pathway through the yard. Uh, it's a spot that gets plenty of morning and afternoon sun, a spot that can be hers, where her bones can rest bathed in the sun close enough to hear the sounds of children playing and friends laughing. Now, I've never had to bury a pet before. Digging a deep hole is easy enough, but somehow I found it easy to do what needed to be done while I processed the heavy emotions of having lost a dear pet. To borrow a term from fantasy, Yoshi was more like my familiar, this loyal and constant companion. I wrapped her in one of my old shirts, wanting something of myself to accompany her in her final resting place. But I'm struck again by the softness of that day, the light breeze going through the trees, the gentle sunlight warming the slab of rock I used at the temporary gravestone, and there will be time enough to make her burial plot nice. I'm still working up to it. I mean, this is still hard. There's still plenty to be done. There's chores to do, work to perform, children to raise. You know, I can do these things and still keep Yoshi close to mind. It's been cathartic to write this. I sincerely thank you for listening for bearing witness to a memorial for a wonderful cat. Countless stories have been told about humans and their pets across every medium, genre, and era. This is one of mine. It wasn't my first, it won't be my last, but you will forever be an inspiration. I'm fortunate to have had Yoshi by my side for 14 years. It's my wish that these little stories and insights, these brief abstractions, have been of some benefit. But regardless, I appreciate your time. Thank you. I'd like to close with a quote from Abraham Maslow, the famous psychologist. A great lesson from the true mystics is that the sacred is in the ordinary, that it is to be found in one's daily life, in one's neighbors, friends, and family, in one's backyard. If you feel that Chris dealt with it, I'd appreciate your support of the show by sharing it with someone who might benefit. 
Ratings on your favorite podcast player are also helpful in growing the audience. Visit chriscroyder.com for free downloadable PDFs with notes and resources for today's episode, sign up for the CDWI mailing list, or to send in your problems or requests for future shows. That's C-H-R-I-S-K-R-E-U-T-E-R.com, or use the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Crystal Dealer.